everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brandon Wright. Got a very interesting topic for you guys tonight. I'll be joined by my guest, Alan and Julie. Now, Alan has experienced what he thinks is attacks from either demonic possessions or some sort of paranormal entities pretty much throughout his entire life up until a few years ago. And his wife is also on there to verify some of the instances that he's had along with some of the stories that she's encountered while being around Alan. But before we dive into their story, if you've had an encounter or if you have a story to share, please contact me at tinfoiltalespodcast at gmail.com or you can get a hold of me on Facebook. We're going to go ahead and dive on into the story with Alan and Julie, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Like to welcome Alan to the show. Now, Alan's had some experiences throughout his life that he was kind enough to come on the show tonight and talk with me. So, everyone, welcome Alan to the show. Alan, thanks for coming out. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate the platform to be able to let other people know what goes on in this world. Yeah, definitely. And you said your wife's with you, too. Yes, yes, she is. Julie. How you doing? Good. So in your original message, you said stuff started when you're about nine years old. Is that um, kind of where you want to start with? or? Yeah, I figured I'd just put it all out there and, and just go from the beginning to the end because it's been a, it's been a, I don't know if you can say an adventure, but it's been something. Yeah. Well, feel free. All righty. Yeah. Um, we moved into a house in uh, Rockford, Illinois, when I was about eight years old. And it was a nice house, you know, had a basement, had three bedrooms up on the main floor. And there was a bedroom in the basement. And one thing I noticed when we moved in, it was across the street from the cemetery, which you know, being a kid, you know, how kids are, they're not like really interested in that kind of stuff and kind of scared of it. And I, you know, I kind of felt that, but, uh, we had moved in and there had been different little things, uh, building up, I guess you would say you would hear noises, sounds, knocks, and, you know, we really never paid that much attention to it and just went on. And I had my bedroom in the basement because I was the oldest of three. And one night I was down there asleep and it was probably, I guess, I don't know, one thirty in the morning or so, somewhere in there. And... um I kept hearing this almost like a chanting sound, some kind of, you know, rhythmic chanting or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, being a kid, I was, I was pretty scared and uh, got up and crept over to my door and uh, I was scared, scared to death to open the door because I didn't know what was out there. And, uh, I kind of cracked it a little, was peeking out, and I seen like 
it was like I don't it was like demons around the walls and I looked tried to look over towards the stairs and it was like to me at a kid at eight years old nine years old it was like the devil was standing right by the stairs in the corner and I mean give me just a second my heart's kind of you're fine I mean talking about it it just brings it back like it's it's happening yeah I bet and uh anyway the only thing I could think of, and I just said it and repeated it over and over and over, is God save me, God save me. And I just bolted, ran past him up the stairs. And I mean, that's all I could say is God save me, God save me, please God save me. And when I went through that door, my mom was on the other side. And she... uh she was sitting there crying and uh she told me she said i could hear it and i reached for the door several times but every time i did i felt like i was going to die if i opened that door and it was just man it was a horrible feeling I'm telling you, scared. And that's kind of where it all started for me. Because from then on, I didn't know it was a tax at that age. But I was having, I kept getting like sharp pains, like in my ribs. It would be like I get one stab like in my right side, then I get a stab in my left side, then I get a stab in my right side, then my right side, then my left side. And I got that from then. And it wasn't like constantly, but, you know, it would just happen out of the blue. At first, we kind of thought, oh, I'm just cramping up. Maybe I need to drink water. I need to do this or I need to do that. But it kept on going on all my life. And I was like, something, you know, something just ain't right. So, you know, we ended up moving out of that house pretty quick. We didn't stay there long. And then we moved to uh, Springfield, Illinois. And uh, they, had, my parents found a, a three story old. It was an old house, but it was huge. It was three stories, and then it had like an attic at the top, you know, above the third floor, and brought down the little steps, and you could go up them and get up there. But it had like, you walked in the front door, and it had like probably four-foot-wide steps going up to the next floor. But in the kitchen... I guess it used to be like a, uh, cause this was an old house. It was probably from 1800s and they had stairs going up from the kitchen up the back to the upstairs, which they said had been for like servants to take food up to people or whatever they had to do, go up that way to clean. So they weren't going up the main stairs. And, uh, You'd always hear 
footsteps going up and down those those back stairs. And, you know, the door shutting at the bottom or the door shutting at the top, even though the door wouldn't move, you could hear the sound of the door shutting. <clears throat> and uh, at that time, I liked trains and my mama got me a train set and we uh, decided to put it up in the attic because there was plenty of room up there and, you know, we didn't have, we, it, it wasn't like storage area. We just kind of made it like a playroom in the attic, you know, and uh, sometimes I could hear my train set come on up there. Uh, I would hear voices and turn around. There'd be nobody there. It was just, and this stuff just continued to happen. I would hear things, turn around, nobody be there. I mean, my my mom would hear noises, you know, shutting doors or footsteps. And we just, you know, we just kind of dealt with it. <laughs> you do what you got to do, I guess. And, uh, but I'd still get those stabbing pains every now and then. And, um, oh, man. Um, then my mom and my, that was actually my stepdad. He had, uh, they had gotten a divorce and he had moved across town. And the one, one thing I, from my years of experience that I've noticed is I think people that have like the paranormal the Bigfoots, the UFOs, all that stuff. I think somehow it's once you're in tune with one of them, you kind of sometimes get exposed to the rest of it. I really do. Because uh, after they had divorced, um, me and my brother brothers would go over to stay with him. And because my baby brother was his his son. And um, we'd go over there, and me and my my next younger brother, we always went. Whenever we went over there, he had a house that had an awning that come out over the porch, and from our bedroom we could climb out on the awning, awning, and and look at the stars and talk and you know stuff like that, like kids do when you're that age. We were about mm, eleven years old, twelve years old, and uh, one night we were sitting out there and we were just talking, looking up. And we seen this craft, I'm going to say that, just kind of do like almost like a, a triangle shape. It would like, it went down towards the left. And it was way up in the sky. Then it went over towards the right. And then it went back up to make the triangle. And then it just sat there. And then all of a sudden it just, took off straight up out of and you couldn't see it anymore and i was like what in the world my brother's like you you did see that right i'm like yeah i seen it <laughs> so i mean that was that was just kind of weird too after you know the other experiences i've been having and my what 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 really i guess it was my brother's never had any kind of effect from any of that stuff that I've dealt with, any of the paranormal. But my mother, she had, and a matter of fact, my mom, when she was, 
she had told me this story when she was, I guess, eight, nine years old when she was a child in Arkansas, that a UFO had actually come right over their neighborhood, like just above the trees, right over their neighborhood. And she told me, she said, the next day I got on the bus and <clears throat> my uh, friend that lived down the road got on the bus and I just kind of looked at her and I said, did you see anything last night? And she looked back and said, yeah, did you see anything last? You know how little kids are. And they both had seen it. And that was in Arkansas. <clears throat> and then one time when I, this is when I was older and then I'll go, go back to that. But just on the UFO thing, when I was probably about, 23 24 years old i flew out to uh arizona to uh see and talk with my biological father <clears throat> and i was sitting out there and my he had remarried and my stepbrother <clears throat> me and him were sitting out in the in the driveway just looking up at stars and talking and <clears throat> He had gone in to get a drink, and I was just looking at the stars, and I seen this ship-looking thing way up in the sky going across. It got to this star, and it just disappeared. You couldn't see it moving anymore. And he come back out, and I was telling him, I said, dude, you ain't going to believe what I just seen. I said, I seen this thing going across the sky. As a matter of fact, you see that one that's moving? I said it was on about the same path, but when it got to that star thing, it disappeared. And he goes, okay. And we were watching it, and this one did the same thing. So there was two of them that I seen, and he seen one of them. And that's why I kind of think that they're all kind of interconnected somehow. I don't, I don't know. It's just a feeling I have. I could be totally wrong, but. But then, you know, after after that incident with the seeing the uh, UFO in Illinois and still having the attacks, I mean, they were sporadic, but I, I had them. And uh, I don't want to cut you off or anything, but do you think the UFO and the attacks had any relation or is that just something that you think just kind of happened? The attacks weren't related with UFO sightings or anything like that? Yeah, I don't think I think the attacks were more paranormal, demonic. And I think I just happened to see UFOs. I don't know. I just kind of but how I guess I'm still kind of kind of out there about how do some people see stuff and hear stuff and feel stuff. And others don't, yeah. you know, and when, when I feel like once you've had one experience, then you can have another one with the other things that are out there. Basically, once you have one, it kind of opens you up for more. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, no, sorry, uh, to, sorry to cut you off. But I, I was just kind of wondering, but. Oh, no, no, no. It's perfectly fine. I'm, I mean, I wonder myself, <laughs> you know. It gets me, uh, my brain has thought a lot of different things, a lot of different ways over the years.
because of the experiences. And I, I just, I don't know. But anyway, but, uh, but after the UFO, you still were having those attacks. Oh yeah, yeah. I I had them all the way up through 2017, 2016, 17. It was 17. Yeah, through 2017. And uh, a matter of fact, I mean, <laughs> I almost feel like. And actually, it was the same thing. And I think because, all right, here's here's this today. I was over at the neighbors and I was talking to them and everything. And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, he's going to call tonight and I got to go through this. And I got to explain everything. And I literally had an attack at the neighbor's house. And I just, and what I was taught how to defend myself is say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you have no right over me. You have to go to the dry places. And this is, I'll get to this in a little bit about the preacher that I found that actually helped me. Okay. But, um, oh man. I'm sorry. Give me just a second. You're fine. You take your time. Oh. All right. And then I guess after we seen that UFO, you know, I still had occasional attacks and stuff. And uh, my mom met my second stepdad. And um uh, he was from Kentucky, so we ended up moving to Kentucky when I was 14. Um, and we had moved down here, and, you know, I'm still occasionally getting those attacks and just trying to deal with them. And I, I really, you know, they, my mom took me, actually took me to the doctor, and they checked me and said I was perfectly healthy, perfectly fine, you know. So... I don't understand how I can get these sharp. I mean, it feels like something's just being run like a spear going through you. It's what it to me was what it felt like, but I was checked out from head to toe, you know, perfect health, ran track and cross country in high school, you know, went to state, all that stuff, perfect health. But I had these attacks. And then uh, we heard strange, uh, it didn't matter where I, I went, I would hear strange noises and voices and, you know, there would be nothing there. And uh, one of the, one, one time me and two of my friends, I guess I was 15, we, uh, there was a, a park, Airquois Park, um, that was probably half to three quarters of a mile from the house. And one night about eight o'clock, which it was already dark, we rode our bikes up there. And this park is, it, it's huge. It's got like a big hill in it. I say hill, it's, it's probably, 
what'd you say, five, 600 feet? Yeah, it has an overlook. Yeah, it's got an overlook. You can actually look from it to downtown from this park it, it, in Louisville. And um, anyway, we we rode up there and we hit our bikes in the uh, woods because it was it was wooded. It was a huge park. They had horse trails, golf course uh, around the front. They had basketball courts, frisbee golf all this but anyway we hit our bikes and we climbed up the back of the hill to the top of the park we were going to go up and look at the lookout and we didn't want to ride all the way around to the front of the park where the road was to ride up there <clears throat> but as we were coming over the top of the hill we seen a bonfire looking thing going on and there was people up there with hoods on you know like hooded garments and there was animals hanging from the tree and this was just really, with everything I I felt and dealt with up to that point, I said, no, guys, we got to get out of here. I just, I felt this like fear just hit my chest. And I said, come on, guys, we got to go. And I just turned around and I hauled ass out of there. I was, I was done. I wasn't dealing with that. I've dealt with enough in my life up to that point. I wasn't dealing with that. And I get home and I told my mom and she's like, you boys didn't need to be out there. And, you know, nothing really. She didn't call call nobody or nothing. She just let it go. <clears throat> and um, so life goes on, you know, growing up. And then uh, just tried to ignore the voices, the sounds, you know, and move into my next stage of life, adulthood you know, to see, see what was going to happen next. It's kind of how I lived my life with this stuff. But I, one thing I will tell you is my uncle always came down from Illinois to Kentucky for Thanksgiving every year. And everybody was at mom's house and everybody would stay. We'd play cards late and, you know, hang out and talk and, because it was the one time a year where my uncle and some family members from Illinois come down. And uh, my uncle, my mom's upstairs. You'd go up and there's like an open room with a bed in it. And then there's a door to the next bedroom. <laughs> and uh, my uncle, which he was a Vietnam vet. He's seen a lot of stuff. And, you know, pretty much wasn't scared of nothing was uh up there getting ready to go to sleep and he said he had just fallen asleep and he heard this god awful banging and he opened his eyes and it looked like this great big huge thing was trying to beat on the door to get into that other bedroom which is where my son was actually at and he he hollered he said get away from there and that thing turned and looked at him. It freaked my uncle out so bad. He said it was it was a demon. It had to be. He, he never went upstairs in my mom's house ever again. He said, I will not go up there. Did he and ever say what it looked like? He said uh, it kind of had like sl slatted eyes or, you know, uh, slitted eyes slitted eyes 
he said it had they were like dark black and it was like just fire red from from the face all the way down and it was just but it had like huge hands with claws at the end and it was just beating on the door i mean he said he said that's that's enough i don't even want to talk about it no more <laughs> and uh, i think my family's actually had some different things all through our family heritage because my uncle had also dealt with uh which my cousins and stuff have all said is true because i you know i i asked them and i asked my uncle and i asked other cousins that didn't live you know that weren't my uncle's kids <coughs> that had stayed up there at his house in uh illinois <coughs> they had like a monkey man creature that would come out of their closet he said it'd have like a human face, but the rest of the body looked like a monkey. That's strange. Very strange. But yeah, they had dealt with that for years and years and years and until he had moved. <clears throat> and that had actually been the house that he had bought with his first wife. And uh it was, yeah, I mean, there was the neighbors, everybody knew about this thing. I mean, it wasn't just like, you know, let's keep it a secret. No, they, my family's kind of like, you know, whether you believe us or not, here's what the hell happened. Take it for what it's worth. And, um, but yeah, that's just a little bit on my, my uncle there. And, you know, to back up kind of when he says something, I mean, you can take it to the bank. And um, so life goes on. And uh, <clears throat> I uh, actually dealt with a death in uh, 2003. My first wife had passed away of a massive heart attack. <clears throat> and uh, it's like the, uh, I got, really angry and said some things that I probably shouldn't have said <clears throat> towards God. And now that, you know, he come back around and picked me up though. He's a forgiving God. Uh, I hated him. Didn't want none to do. And actually the attacks and stuff got worse after she had passed. And uh, there's actually probably three years I do not remember from 2003 to 2007. So maybe, well, 2007, well, maybe four years. Shit. I, I mean, it was, it was a bad time. And, uh, and then the attacks would get worse. I mean, I, I couldn't remember things. And my my family, well, let me, I met who's now my wife, Julie, before I ended up going into a hospital. 
And the pastor in there actually prayed over me. And and he would pray every day. But then it was like, once I got the help I needed and I got out, because I had to deal, you know, with the death and 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 anger and all that when you when you lose somebody. But then once I got out, it was like the attacks were just daily. Daily. I mean, I'd be standing at the sink and bam, I'd get a sharp like I was being stabbed in the the ribs like it was coming through my back and and just different things i'd hear voices i could smell <clears throat> which this is i mean people aren't you know i don't know what the people are going to think but i could literally smell like the scent and the perfume type that my first wife had worn i could smell it around me I would hear voices like whispers, couldn't make out what it was saying, but it was like little whispers and I'd turn and, you know, nothing there. And then, uh, so I just kind of, you know, you just got to put one foot in front of the other. And then me and Julie, we ended up getting married in 2010. And, uh, She's a great woman. God sent me a, an angel. I, I swear he sent me an angel. She's she's fantastic. <laughs> I don't know why I was so blessed, but I thank him. But we had uh, gotten married, and we ended up taking a trip to uh, Red River Gorge with the, uh, the kids, which is in Kentucky. It's a it's a pretty big place that's where people come from around the world to do uh climbing and stuff it's it's pretty big in kentucky and um we were there and uh john was out back during the day building this fire taking it apart he loved to play with fire john did and uh he'd do that and then <clears throat> that night we were all inside and then me and julie and Josh, my oldest son, um, we walked out back and he was, all right, if you can picture a cabin, you got the back right and the back left side. And then like, it was probably, what do you say, across, how far? 60, 70 feet. Yeah, the back of it was at least 60, 70 feet across. And he was on one side and we were on the other. And you got to realize Red River Gorge is a national, it's like a great big forest. I mean, we're talking, it's huge. You have to have passes to go to the back country in it to camp. So we're, it, it, it's huge. And uh, anyway, we're sitting out there and he's over on one side and we're, me and Julie's on the other. And uh, he goes, good Lord, did one of y'all have gas or something? That is horrible. And I'm like, no. And we couldn't smell anything over where we were on the, you know, because we're about 60, 60 feet away. <laughs> and then 
the smell did finally get to us, but then he couldn't smell it over there. I said, good Lord, now I know what you're talking about. He said, it's not over here now, the smell. And I said, and me, I really, you know, I, I kind of watched a few Bigfoot shows and this and that, but never really, you know, I was like, yeah, maybe, okay, but I don't know. So there was a can of bug spray for uh, like off sitting on the picnic table. So I take it and I go hit, hit it twice on the table. I said, well, maybe it's Bigfoot. And at about that time, we hear a knock come out of the woods. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, well, maybe they are real. I said, I think it's time to go inside. So we go inside. But the weird thing is... <clears throat> Because after that, then I did a little searching, and apparently Bigfoot liked to watch children playing and doing different things. Yeah, that's what <laughs> they say. So about behind the fire pit, probably 15, 20 feet, the grass was about four and a half, five feet tall all along the back. It's like they cut, but they you know left that tall grass back there. <laughs> and uh, you couldn't see it if you were standing out there, but I was in the kitchen looking out the back over that, and I could see a big depression behind, you know, probably six, seven inches behind the front of that tall grass. And so I go out there and look, and I would spread it open, and there was a big lay down there. And I'm talking bigger than a deer, it, and it, bigger than a bear. And I was like, John was out here yesterday messing with that fire. Take you out because he was out there for what hour and a half? He was about 15. Yeah. We, we could see him. Yeah, we could see him, but I'm just saying he was out there for about an hour and a half right. or so messing with it. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, a huge lay down. I mean, the grass was all pressed down. And, you know, then I was like, nope. I'm done. Close the, you know, I walked back out and went up and uh, told Julie what I'd seen. And yeah, and then we ended up heading back to Louisville. And, uh, but anyway, the house we lived in, <coughs> I uh, was still getting those attacks. You know, I get, it would be excruciating. I mean, it would take my breath away where I, I, I couldn't breathe. It's how bad the stabbing pains would be in my ribs. And I mean, I would literally just grab onto something and just, I'd go and tighten up as tight as I could to try and get it to stop. And, and <clears throat> anyway, it kept on. And a friend of mine, uh kind of did some amateur ghost hunting stuff and they came over one night for on a matter of fact it was on halloween wasn't it yeah yeah <laughs> and um we were down in the basement and we actually caught like evps on a voice recorder down there and um 
I heard different things like the fireplace in the uh, living room. It's a brick fireplace. There's no electric on a brick fireplace. I would stick one of those um, um, the, the amp meters or whatever they against the fireplace and it would go up like there was some kind of source of power there on a brick fireplace. Yeah. And then I'd move it, I'd move it to the left about 10 or 12 inches, nothing. Move it to the right, nothing. Move it up, nothing. Move it down, nothing. Put it back in that spot, it lighted up. It was just, it was just weird because the only reason I found that spot is because I was taking it. I was like, okay, it shouldn't be nothing right here. And then it, you know, I was just moving it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth down the fireplace. And then it lit up. You know, I was just like, I'm going to figure this stuff out one way or another. <clears throat> but yeah, it should have not done that. I mean, if I can interject and I, I don't know what you plan to say so i hope i'm not messing anything up but i mean i had lived in that house about 20 years before with my first husband and, and the kids before um i met alan and we married but um nothing i hadn't really noticed anything strange going on it was almost like the combination of alan and i together sort of triggered things to happen or he brought things to the house or whatever i mean yeah. i mean there were pantry doors that would open after we got married uh i know the kids went to school one day and we were both still at the house and i heard a big crash in the bathroom and you know a, a hairbrush that was laying on the uh the bathroom sink was in the middle of the floor broken in half i mean it was a a decent heavy plastic airbrush i mean it, it there was no reason it should have fallen more and the velocity of it to break in half like that it just it, it, things just didn't make sense we'd hear um like knocking like i remember being in the shower and hearing like somebody banging like you know they were trying to get in the house and get out of the shower you're dripping wet you're trying to see what's going on and it would be nothing um it's just, and I heard a voice in the basement that I, that, and I've never experienced that before, but I was downstairs looking for something and I, my son had, was in the other room in the basement, but on the other side of the basement with music playing and, and I was over on the one side by myself and I was searching through some boxes and I heard this voice say, that's my money and I want it now. I don't know why, but that's what I heard. And I, you know, I turned around and I went over to my son who was in the other room and I had to go through a door to get to him. And I said, what did you say? And he said, what mom, you know, I mean, he had, he had no clue what I was talking about. Didn't say the voice, but I heard it clear as day. Um, but, and none of that ever happened until, you know, Alan was brought into the picture. So it kind of made us both wonder um you know what was actually going on i know some people are like a conduit 
like they can bring that energy with themselves for whatever reason. It's like certain, it's attached to them. Right. Yeah. Like certain energies are attached to people and it just follows them around. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know that I have any, I mean, maybe I have a little, little perception. I don't know, but I mean, I think the two of us together just kind of started a storm there for a while. Yeah. Well, you had had the ex experience when you were younger about the wall breathing. Yeah. At my, at my dad's house, I remember being in the, at the back of the house, he has a bedroom and I, was with an uncle and um I turned and looked and the wall just kind of it was like it uh it just got bigger and then got smaller almost yeah it was just yeah. it was weird but I don't know I'll let you okay but yeah I mean yeah I was going to mention that brush thing because that that was pretty freaky yeah <clears throat> but yeah we uh Ended up selling the house and we moved into an apartment. And yeah, things went from bad to worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were actually laying in bed in the the master bedroom with, you know, you could walk straight into the it had like a little makeup area, yeah. like it was an older apartment. Yeah, so it had like a makeup area and a big mirror and lights. And then you'd walk a little bit farther and then you'd walk into where the tub was and toilet and everything. <laughs> but we were laying in bed. We had just laid down and we were laying there. And we hear this smack on that glass. And I jumped up, went in there, flipped the light on. And there was this like crooked hand claw print that's the only way i can explain it i tried to twist my hand every which way to see if i could match it up it wasn't happening and i did too and julie tried it it was it was really really weird and then you know i still had the attacks of like i was being stabbed through the ribs and it just really painful and and dealing with that and um then we had an incident and i found out that i guess if you drink a little it kind of relaxes you and it really i guess opened me up and uh i had an incident i was in the was i in the bedroom well, I mean, neither one of us are big drinkers, but I mean, it kind of happened at the house too. Yeah. Had some incidents, but I mean, there was this one particular night that he had drank a few drinks and, and so would I, but um, he just, and to be honest, I was telling him, I mean, it, it's almost like, part of my memory's been suppressed of it i don't know it was just it, i i remember it i don't really want to remember it um he he wasn't himself and um actually we were out when this happened and 
you know, I, I said, you know, leave your truck. We had both driven there. And I said, leave your truck here. I'll drive us home. He got mad, like an outrageously mad, which is not his character and said he was driving. And I mean, I print, we weren't far from the apartment, but the whole way there, I was just praying that nothing would happen. And, um, we got to the apartment. He was mad at me. That's how it usually kind of manifested through or whatever you want to say. Um, he was mad at me for insinuating that he couldn't drive is how I first took it. Um, and I think when we got to the apartment, you basically threw your keys at me. So I had both sets of keys and, um, walking in and, and again, I, this isn't his character. They, it's just what happened um in this never this never ever happens any other time um he was in this weird zone sort of like not himself and i had kind of seen this before and was a little bit prepared for it um we had two dogs and i he went to the bedroom and i was trying to take the dogs in and out um it's just he kind of was gonna get sick and he kept like keeping his head down he never he never vomited or anything like that but I mean he he just I know at one point you were on the floor um he has a bad back and he can't move you know the way he was moving and I know alcohol can sometimes help with that but I mean he he would just kind of be on the floor and then just there's just was a strange movement about him i mean he would like look up and and move and do things that normally he wouldn't do and none just to make long story short he ended up in the rest in the bathroom and but he kept he was he was sitting on the toilet actually and he kept his head down and i thought Okay, because I at one point I did leave him. I apologize for jumping in and out, but I've kind of tried to forget some of this. Um, At one point, he laid down and I was trying, I stayed out in the living room because I was trying to stay away from him. And I thought, okay, he'll sleep this off. Everything will be fine. And so then maybe an hour passed and I heard noise and I went to check on you. And that's when you were in the bathroom and he kind of had his head down and I couldn't see his face. Um, and that's kind of what tricked me was because he just kind of had his head down on while he was sitting on the toilet. And I said, are you okay? And he nodded his head, yes. And so I went on and laid down, but I was smart enough to, I kept both sets of keys and I stayed fully dressed and I laid down in the bed and when he got up out of the bathroom and he came and laid down next to me, um, he, again, he wasn't himself. And he started doing this, like, this weird breathing, like this kind of, like, heavy breathing. And um, I just got up. I mean, I, I, I just I was prepared because I was still dressed. And I got up. And uh, I got to the door as quick as I could. And when I got to the door, bedroom door, 
he was already like sitting up in bed with his arms stretched out on both sides of him, which was really strange, like with his back against the wall, which you would never sit like that. No. And um, I looked back and I said, I love you, but I'm going to leave and I'll be back in the morning. And I shut the door, booked it down the hallway, grabbed my shoes, and I ran out of the apartment without my shoes on and had my purse and everything. And well, I remember you also saying that I was talking in a language you couldn't understand. Yeah, you do. You, yeah, he would. And that kind of goes back to the house, too. And it all, I'm sorry to jump in and out with that. But yeah, he, there would be like this. I, it wasn't English. It wasn't, it was just kind of like a gibberish um, language at, at certain times. Not not the whole time, but just like if, you know, you're just trying to make sure somebody's okay and, and they're just kind of, you know, doing this gibberish stuff. And, um, but I left and, uh, and I know you said that when I was in the floor that I raced straight up out of the floor. And I couldn't do that with the way my back is. Right, right. Yeah. But um, I drove away not knowing really what to do. Um, it was raining that night. I remember that and thinking, okay, it's like two in the morning and what am I going to do? And the only thing I could think of was to drive to his parents' house because I knew that his mom would kind of have an idea of possibly of what I was thinking of talking about from the past history. So I headed that way and he ended up calling me and demanding his car keys and the keys to the truck. And I said, you know, I have them. I'll be back in the morning just to go to bed. And it, it, it still wasn't him on the phone. It just wasn't. Um, and I think you ended up hanging up on me. And then uh, I called you back or something. And we ended up talking more. And then the more we talked that second time, I could tell that, you know, that it was more you, yeah. that whatever had was yeah. there. Had I know you said, too, that, you know, like in between some of that stuff, I kept saying, God, help me. God, help me. You know, yeah. yeah. In between the stuff. Struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, and I still was leery and I mean, it was, it was pretty scary. I mean, I, I you know, so now I'd like always want to like look at his face and, and see, I don't know what I would have seen different, but I, I, I've, it's just weird when you can flash from one total personality to the next. Yeah. Um, it and basically actually, sounds almost like a demonic possession. Yeah, that's what we were thinking. Yeah. And we had actually, I had contacted a church in the area. That um, we had been going to. That we had been going to. And I explained, you know, I didn't really want to relive the story over again. But I, you know, had had gone through everything with them and they had sent me that I had another pastor call me you know the whole nine yards of having to tell the story over and over and um, basically the bottom line was that he needed to seek psychiatric help and and I knew that wasn't what it was um, but nobody that 
you know, I don't know how a church can believe that there's a God and things are good and not believe that there's bad and things are evil. But I mean, that's, that's kind of what we were facing. I don't um, think churches, modernized churches these days really go into that old, uh, demonic possession. They don't want to have to deal with anybody. Yeah. They don't want to offend nobody. So, I mean, then we, we ended up moving and I'll let him. Yeah. We, uh, my wife, had gotten a job (coughs) out in the, uh, Eastern part of the state. And, uh, we moved to, uh, urban Kentucky and, uh, I was still getting the attacks and, you know, we were still dealing with the, the knocks and the sounds and different things, <laughs> but it was a slower pace in Eastern Kentucky. And, um, you know, we had a fire pit out beside the house and, and different things. And, uh, matter of fact, <laughs> with the, I would, I would do the, uh, we, if we had a fire and we we're out there, I'd do like a couple of wood knocks and say, well, maybe I can draw him in, <laughs> you know, just talking about Bigfoot. And uh, I, I'm not trying to jump back and forth, but this is kind of how it went. You know, it's exactly how it went. <laughs> and uh, then uh, I'd do that. And we lived there probably what? About, there a couple of years. I know, but it was about, year year in year and a quarter no about the bigfoot yeah yeah it was about 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 a year and a half and uh one morning my back like like she said i've I've got bad back problems i've had one surgery probably need two or three more got degenerative disc disease, bulging discs, all that stuff. And uh, anyway, it was hurting really bad. And so I get up because I don't want to disturb her in the bed so that she can rest. So I get up and I go out on the front porch. <laughs> and uh, and it's a, we're up on this hill. I mean, we're up. You can see over the town from where we are. There's only what one hill that's taller than the one we're on. Yeah, there was one that was taller than the one we were on. And uh, but anyway, uh, I'm sitting out there, and when I first walked out there, I could hear the crickets and the different things, and I'm sitting there looking at my phone, just trying to take my mind off the pain. And uh, then all of a sudden, I'm looking at my phone, and it and it. I hear all the crickets and everything stop. I, I don't hear nothing. And I hold my phone. I'm just kind of looking around. And then all of a sudden I hear this. This is exactly what it sounded like to me, only 10 times louder. It was like, uh, uh, just like that, only 10 times louder. It scared the I mean, my insides rattled. I mean, it was the scariest thing I've ever heard. And it sounded like it was right on top of me. That's how loud the sound was. 
And I went inside and grabbed my 44 and was peeking out the window like, holy crap, what was that? And, uh, it, it, you know, I told my wife the next morning and told the neighbor and I told him where the sound came from. <laughs> I pointed it in the direction and he said, well, my dad owns that land over there up that hill, that side of that hill. He said, you ain't going to get up through there unless you got ropes. It's it's steep. You got to have ropes to climb up that hill. I said, well, that's where the sound came from. And this is what I think. He said, well, there's strange things that go on over there is all I'm going to say. And so that that was kind of kind of weird. And then. Uh, it was probably maybe a month or two later. My wife, the one of our dogs had woke her up to go out and uh, Spike, which was like the, I'm not scared of nothing. I mean, he he's tried going after coyotes and everything else when he was been outside. He just, he wasn't scared of nothing. And uh she took him out and hooked him to his run that we had right there off the porch. You go down about four steps and then we could hook him to a run and he could run out and do his thing and come back because we didn't want to let him just run. <laughs> and uh, she was going to smoke a cigarette and she started a lot. And then she said she smelled something really bad. And then she was like, uh, he don't know I'm out here talking about me said Alan don't know I'm out here so anyway she goes back in the door and when she does she goes to lock the door and as soon as she locks the door Spike which isn't scared of anything does kind of like a you know a little yelp like don't leave me out here he was barking to get out, but he didn't say a word when he didn't bark a word when I was had him outside until I turned that latch and then he was like, Yeah, like a little yelp, but like let me back that in. The smell was horrible. I've never smelled anything like it. I, you know, I kind of kicked myself for not thinking because I smelt it when I went out. It was just a I don't know how you would describe it. Uh, body odor, wet dog, feces kind of all just wrapped into one. And so I went in and woke him up to just tell him what it was going on. And so, he came out. and Yeah, I grabbed my pistol again. And uh, I went out there and I got the dog back in. And he, he as soon as I unclipped him, boy, he shot straight to the door. I could still smell it. And you it could still faintly. faintly smell it out there when I went out. But it was quiet. I mean, it was quiet. Couldn't hear nothing. And in the country, you hear all kinds of crickets and, and frogs and, you know, whatever. Yeah, I live but, in the country, so I know what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, you could have dropped a pin and heard it. And uh, yeah, that was that was really weird. 
I mean, we never visually saw them, but between what I heard and the experience she had, yeah, we're we're pretty much past the wondering because I've never heard a scream like that in my life. And, you know, it wasn't no bobcat or mountain lion or, you know, none of that crap. No, I think there's something out there that it's not really been explained what it is. I'm not going to make right. any assumptions. I haven't seen anything like that, so yeah. I can't say one way or the other, but I definitely think there is something strange out there. Yeah, I mean, I physically, you know, visually have not seen it, but I heard knocks, I heard screams, we've smelt, <laughs> I mean... The only thing left to do is see, and I don't think I really want to see it. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> back to the other stuff. We were uh, cleaning out some stuff, and my wife was wanting me to uh, take it to this donation center that helped, you know, needy families. And um, I took it down to this little place that sells it, and then they use the money to help people pay their electric and all that different stuff, pay their gas. And uh, it was in Eastern Kentucky, which is a very poor part of the state. And uh, anyway, I went in there to donate the stuff and <laughs> the people that were in there uh, were uh, filling in for the people that actually run it. And, uh, I was talking to them and they told me that they're the pastors up, up at, uh, hope on the Hill. <clears throat> and so, uh, I told them, well, we'll come check your church out. And me and Julie ended up going there and I really liked them because they taught straight from the Bible. It wasn't, what the preacher thought it wasn't well we got to make it comfortable for everybody it was straight from the bible and i i really enjoyed his sermons and he really helped me talking a lot of things out and I actually went up and helped at the church and if they had to go out of town I'd go up and make sure everything was okay at the church and you know <clears throat> but um, I I finally confided in him and told him that I keep getting these attacks that you know it was like spears running through me or you know it would just hurt and take my breath away. I couldn't breathe. And we were actually in the basement of the church, which that's where the fellowship hall was. <clears throat> and we were down there and, um, you know, in some basements, how they got the poles ever so often for structural support. Um, I was getting ready to walk past one and I had those, attacks i had like one go in on each side right and left and it just took my breath away i grabbed that pole and i just started i can't breathe oh my god lord help me and and james laid his hand on me 
and started rebuking and praying over me, and it stopped immediately. Immediately. And I was like, he's like, how long has this been going on? And I told him. And give me just a second. I literally sat there and cried about how long it's been going on. And because uh, it started in like 76, 77, and this was 2017, 16, somewhere, 17. Yeah, because it was right before we moved out here to Oklahoma and uh, and uh, he prayed over me and it stopped immediately and then we talked about it and I cried because it was just I dealt with so much and I, I told him everything and you know we kept having prayer sessions and different things and then one day we were uh, going to the church me and me and the wife and uh we got there and i literally couldn't go in the church i kept getting attacks i couldn't open the door to the church i kept getting attacked and they come out there and they shoot we were out there what 30 35 40 minutes from what you said yeah they prayed over me, and I had literally gone from the front of the church over to the corner of the church. They were praying over me. Stuff I was spitting stuff out of my mouth. I was. They were just praying. I was being. I couldn't hardly breathe at times. It was just. It was horrible. But then after that, the attacks ceased and then what and I'm going to tell you what's really weird is James had told me he said I don't know why but we when we had moved here it was like God told us we needed to be here and then we we were there and then they really helped me and they they did what needed to be done to help me and then we moved my wife had gotten a job out here in oklahoma and so we moved out here and it wasn't two or three months after that that they went back to texas so it was like god put them there knowing that we would be there and then after that was done he sent them home and we had moved out here. So I'm just, God is good. That's all, I, you know, I got to say that because it just, for that to happen, they lived in Texas. They were in Irvin, Kentucky. And, and 
you look urban Kentucky up, it's a population of what? 600, 700? <laughs> and now if you get those, you know how to deal with And them. yeah, and he told me how to deal with the 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 problem. He uh you rebuke them and you tell them they have to go to the dry places in the name of Jesus Christ. A matter of fact, I've still got, he gave me two bottles of holy oil. I bless my house every few months. I bless us with it. And until today, knowing that I had to talk with you on this, I hadn't had an attack, but when I thought about it at my neighbors, I got attacked. Like they like, oh, he's gonna let the secret out. You know, is how I felt. In my mind, I saw you need to let people know it might help someone. Yes, definitely. So and go ahead. You haven't really had any more attacks since then, and today was just one of the first time you've had one in a while. Since since Kentucky, yeah. And I guess too, if I can interject, you know, we we were searching for answers, and so when all that was going on at the house and at the apartment and whatnot, you know, we were watching the paranormal shows and trying to, you know, trying to find answers. Um, through you know all the things that are out there and you know one of the things we kind of figured out on our own is just to leave it alone yep we just we don't watch ghost hunters or you know it's like the more we kind of opened our minds up to different things and saw different things the worse things got at least that's how it felt for us so yes we just sort of leave it alone you know the kids say they want to go on a ghost hunt or something and we're like yeah we're not going and you we don't recommend you do that either but you know we just leave it alone yep i actually um, just got warned last week by someone else claiming when you start looking into things some <laughs> things start looking back at you exactly they do and trust me so, I mean, you know, we had the little meters and different things trying to figure voice out. recorders, yeah, we everything, trying to figure out stuff, trying to figure out who was attacking, why they were attacking. It's actually making things worse in our, at least in our case. Yeah. And, uh, don't recommend it. No, because once you open that door, it's hard to shut. Yeah, I've talked to several other people, and that's kind of what they've said, too, is once you've opened that portal, that doorway, or whatever that it ends up being, it's really hard to contain it. Yep. 100% agree. I mean, I still get choked up and teary-eyed about it because I know the pain I went through. I know what I dealt with. It was no joke. It wasn't my imagination. It was physical pain. It was mental. It was, you know, it just rips at every fiber of. And then when people don't believe you, then you start second guessing yourself. But you, you, you know the pain you're feeling. You know, 
I mean, when that church said you need to get mental help, I'm like, I'm mentally fine. I know what the hell's happening. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm not really a big organized religious type person. I think there's a lot of flaws when it comes to certain churches and religious type things. I believe in higher powers and everything else, but I'm not going to sit there and there's just too yeah. many different variations yeah. of the same. Well, with uh, our pastor that was there, they also had uh, friends of theirs that were pastors from Tennessee and they actually got documented things of where they've actually done um, exorcisms and connection. I mean, he told me one story of this lady was uh, in the hospital and they said she was dying of cancer <clears throat> and uh, they asked them to come by and pray for him, pray for her. And uh, when he had gotten there, he, he stood at the door and he seen like a demon sitting on her shoulder, just kind of gnawing at her neck is what he is the way he explained it. And he asked the family to leave and he went in there and he prayed and prayed and prayed. And they had done x-rays and seen this big thing, you know, up in her neck and stuff. <clears throat> and he prayed and prayed and prayed. He was in there for, I think they said three or four hours. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, when he come out of there, she was awake she was talking. They did an x-ray the next day and there was nothing. So I'm just telling you what I was told and by the people that I know that I was told to buy, I 100% would take it to the bank. Yeah. Cause I know what they did for me. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, I'm glad that you haven't been able, like you haven't been experiencing these stuff. I'm actually kind of a little upset that you had one today. You hadn't had one in the last four years, four or five years. So, yeah, I think it was just, I guess, in my opinion, it was the demons trying to exercise a little muscle because I was getting ready to expose them. But God said, no, you're going to help somebody by telling your story. Yeah, it could cause and help someone else to figure out a way to fight thirst as well. Yep. Because I think it is a constant battle. It's not like something just totally leaves you alone. No. You're, you're constantly trying to yeah. be on the good side of things, for lack of better words. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they ever truly 100% go away. No. So. You just have to learn how to contain them. Yeah. Well. And I was lucky enough to find somebody that helped me. Yeah. I do appreciate you sharing your story with me because, again, I think it's beneficial for people to hear this. And I hope it ends up helping others. And. I do thank both you guys for talking with me tonight. 
yeah, I, I thank you for giving us the opportunity to get my story out there and the things we've dealt with. And but I do think I still I still I don't know how it's connected, but I think once you're open to one, that the rest of them are very possible. The experiences between whether it's the demons, the paranormal, the the uh, UFOs, the Bigfoot, whatever you want to say, you know, I think once you're open, you're open to a lot of stuff. And that's you become more susceptible to everything else. Yep. Okay. Well, again, thank you for sharing your story with me. It's definitely uh, very interesting. And like I said, I'm glad you haven't had to deal with any of this stuff in the last few years. And if you've had anything else that comes up after this or anything, just let me know. And uh, I'd like to know anything else, but hopefully you don't have to deal with anything else. Yeah. Uh, I hope so too. <laughs> God okay, well, willing. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. No problem. All righty. You have a good thank night. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You too. Bye. Bye. And that's our show, everyone. Again, I want to thank Alan and Julie for coming out tonight and talking with me. I know it's not very easy for them. But I definitely appreciate them coming out and sharing their encounters. And again, if you've had an experience, story to share, you can always contact me at tinfoiltalespodcast at gmail.com or you can get a hold of me on Facebook. And we'll try and get you out for a future episode. Good night, everyone.